They were fishing down around the bay, and where a, a, a river comes into the bay, so you have the salt water, then you have the fresh water. And uh, they're fishing away, and they're working their way down the river, and finally there's a fellow comes walking by with a huge load of fish. And uh, they said, excuse me, where'd you get all those fish? The fellow says, if you go down the stream, or go up the stream, until the water is no longer salty, where the salty water runs out, that's where there's a ton of fish there, and they're just tearing up the, the bait. So they thanked him, and uh, they're walking uh, up the stream, and finally one fisherman says, go fill that bucket up with water and see if the water is salty. So uh, he dips a bucket in a stream and sips a little bit out of it, and he goes, no, it's still salty. So they walked about half hour more, and he says, uh, go try that again. So he tastes the water, nope, still salty. They walk for an hour, and he says, check the water. And he goes, no, still salty. He says, man, we've been going for an hour and a half. He said, this isn't good. Uh, you know, the water's still salty. He says, yeah, not only that, the bucket's almost empty. And so I think it was a couple of West Virginia guys down there fishing is what it was. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. I'm entitled the message tonight, A Clean Church. Let's pray. Excuse me, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, I don't want the message tonight to just be a speech or me rambling on saying meaningless things. I pray, Father, that tonight would be a night when the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts, that our faith in you would grow and our walk with you would be closer. I thank you for this church and, God, what you have done and what you're doing uh, in this body of believers. We ask, Lord, I ask as pastor and as a member that you would keep your hand a blessing and your power upon this church and the ministries. Lord, keep us close to you. And I pray that your will would be done in this body of believers. I yield myself to you now. God, I present to you my body anew this evening. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and uh, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's very interesting as we get to this portion of Ephesians. Of course, the previous chapters were dealing with the wife's responsibility to her husband's. And as we pointed out uh, repeatedly, that the wife's responsibility, if you boiled it all down, the wife's responsibility to her husband is to submit. Of course, that involves a number of things, but that's the basis. You boil it down to the most basic responsibility of the wife is to submit to her husband. Then we get to the portion that deals with men and the husband's. And if you look at the verses, the verses dealing with the wife is chapter 22, or verse 22, 23, and 24. You have three verses. Then you get to the portion dealing with the husbands, and you got chapter, or verse 25 down through verse 33. And you have a whole list of verses. And so God is dealing more thoroughly with the husband and his responsibility to the wife than he does with the wife and her responsibility to the husband. And again, if you boiled the husband's responsibility down, if you took it, the role of the husband in the marriage, if you took it in its most basic form, uh, you find that the husband is to love his wife. Now that 
branches out in a number of other responsibilities, but that is the root. That is the core of the husband's responsibility to the wife is to love his wife. Look, if you would, there, verse 25. And we've been, I mean to tell you, we've been digging this thing apart. Husbands, love your wives. Then come up to verse 28. So ought husbands to love their wives. Then you come down to verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. So in the first verse of this portion of Scripture, he says, Husbands, love your wives. You get around the middle portion of this passage, he repeats it, Husbands, love your wives. You get to the last verse in the portion of Scripture dealing with the husbands, and he repeats it again, Husbands, love your wives. And so the husband's role, he say, Brother Leatherman, I thought the Bible said the husband's the head of the home. Isn't that his primary responsibility? To provide leadership in the home, to be the head, to be the one running the show? No, the husband's primary responsibility is to love his wife. His role, his, uh, his uh, uh, role as head of the home is an expression of his love for his wife. Because he loves his wife, that's the foundation, therefore he provides the leadership in the home. It governs his leadership. It keeps him from becoming a tyrant. And it makes him, and that, that his leadership, his, uh, his being head of the home is an expression of his love for his wife. And so love for his wife is the foundation. The Bible says, as we've dwelt on thoroughly, I think, the last several weeks, is the Bible shows us that the husband's pattern for loving his wife is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we pointed out, number one, that a husband's love for his wife is to be patterned after the Lord Jesus, and that means it's to be a supernatural love. Remember what we said in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. We said that word love was the highest form of love expressed in the Bible. It's the agape love. It's the unconditional love. It is the love that has no strings attached. The world loves, but boy, they got strings attached. I love you, but only if you love me back. I love you, but only if you treat me a certain way. That phileo, that relationship love. This is an unconditional love. This is a love that only God can put in our hearts. Only the Lord can give us this level of love. Romans tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The world cannot love their wives. The men of the world cannot love their wives with this love. This is a love that is supernatural, that God gives us for our wives. It's the love of John 3.16. And by the way, this is the way Christians are to love one another also. Just as the husbands to love his wife unconditionally with his agape love, uh, Christians are to love one another that way also. Now I'm on. Alright, thanks guys. And so, Christians are to love one another with no strings attached, unconditional love. So it's a supernatural love. We said the husband's love for his wife is a, is a sacrificial love. Uh, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. An early church father, his name is Christostom, and uh, a preacher from back in the th uh, year 300, somewhere around in there, very, very early days of the church, he made this statement. He said, if it be needful that the husband should give his life for his wife, 
or be cut to pieces a thousand times, or endure anything, whatever, refuse it not. Christ brought the church to His feet by His blood, not by threats or by fear. And God says that is the way we're to love our wives, those of us as husbands. If it means we're cut to pieces a thousand times, if it means we have to die a horrible death, we are to love our wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave Himself for it. And that phrase, gave Himself for it, it includes the crucifixion and all that Christ suffered. And that's how we're to love our wives. Man alive, the world loves, uh, brother, you, sister, uh, lady, woman, you better treat me right or you ain't getting money this week. Am I right or wrong? Isn't that the way the world is? The Bible says, no, we're to be sacrificial. Whatever it costs us, we're to love our wives with that love. So it's a supernatural love. It's a sacrificial love. And then number three, it's a sanctifying love. Look at verse 26. Verse 25, he loved the church. Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. There's two words in verse 26 that stand out. Sanctify and cleanse. Jesus Christ's love for the church. Let me put it this way. Jesus Christ's love for our church. Let's just bring it home. Jesus' love for Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church is such that He gave Himself for us so we can be, so we can exist. And His desire, He gave Himself so that we could be sanctified and cleansed by the, word of the, uh, by the washing of the Word. And so, uh, that is the love that I'm to have for my wife. Let me ask you a question, fellas. I'm going to ask, I ask myself this. I hope, I, I hope I can have your attention here. This is an important question. Fellas, I need to ask myself this. Is my wife a better Christian because she's married to me? Does my influence on my wife enable her to be a better Christian? As we grow in our relationship with each other and as our time together, the years of us being together progress, is my wife becoming more holy and more godly, more Christ-like because of my influence on her life? That's what verse 26 is talking about. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Why? So that church can be holy. That church can be godly, cleansed from impurities. Glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle. Holy, pure. What type of influence do you and I as husbands have on our wives, men? Do we have a godly influence on our wives? Are we enabling them to grow in their faith and to be more like Christ, more godly and pure? Or do we have a negative influence? Do we have a corrupting influence on them and drawing them away and hindering them and hurting their walk with God? Is my wife more like Christ because I'm her husband? Is my wife more godly, more holy and pure because I'm her husband? That's what this verse is talking about. And that's our responsibility as husbands. It's part of loving them. So they can be clean and pure. 
Just like Christ loved the church and He works in the church and He wants to wash us and cleanse us. Make us a holy church. A godly church. A clean church. Let me say a word to the young ladies. You ought to never, ever marry a man who is not going to help you be a better Christian. If you're the one carrying the spiritual load, that man's going to hurt you. Amen. The husband's responsibility is to influence his wife in such a way that she's more godly, she's more Christ-like. Let me, let, let me put it this way. A young lady ought never even date a young man that is not helping her be a better Christian. If that young man is trying to bring you places that are displeasing to God, if he's trying to involve you in a physical relationship that is forbidden by God and is displeasing to God, if that young man is not seeking to help you have a stronger faith in God to be a better Christian, to be more Christ-like, if that man is not helping you, that man is not for you. Amen. And so, what influence do I have on my wife? The word cleanse there is a very significant word. This is profound. The word cleanse means to make clean. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight and learned that? To make clean. It has the idea, very basic, of removing dirt. To remove that which defiles. And so the Lord gave Himself for the church that He might cleanse it with the washing of the Word so that He can remove from the church that which is defiling. So He can, re, he can clean the church and take away that which is dirty. And that is my responsibility as a husband to my wife. I want to have her spiritually clean and try and keep from her that which is defiling and that which hurts her. It means to purify. The Bible says the Lord gave Himself for the church that He might cleanse it. To purify it. Now the cleansing here, what we think of is, uh, in fact, we, I think we sang it tonight, are you washed in the blood? So when we think of cleansing, of the Lord cleansing us, generally what we're talking about, generally what comes to mind is cleansing away the guilt of sin. And we... And, and, Nobody wants to carry guilt around with them. Amen? I don't know anybody that enjoys feeling guilty. It's a terrible experience to be guilty. And so we want, God, we want Christ to cleanse us from the guilt of our sin. And I'm here to say, thank God, Jesus does cleanse us from the guilt of sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ does cleanse us from sin. Perhaps uh, you're under the sound of my voice tonight and you, uh, you're, you're, and, you, and you say, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty. I would like to know how I could have my sins forgiven. I'm here to tell you the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse away the guilt of sin. You can find forgiveness of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ by agreeing and acknowledging the fact to Him that I am a sinner. I deserve God's judgment, but believing that Jesus on the cross took my judgment for me. He suffered for my sins already. He was buried and rose again. And if I put my faith in Him, He'll forgive me and He'll take away that guilt. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. When I got saved the night the Lord saved me, I was not wanting to be saved from hell. That was the last thing in my mind. I was a 19-year-old boy. I wouldn't plan on dying for a long time, which I still, Lord will, I don't plan on it for a long time. I wasn't thinking about dying and going to hell, but I knew one thing. I was guilty before a holy God. 
that load of guilt on my life was so heavy. I saw myself as such an ungodly sinner. I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and He takes away the guilt of sin. But the word here, the passage here, is not just talking about taking away the guilt of sin. That's just the beginning. That is where the Lord begins the process. He takes away the guilt. He removes from us the punishment of sin. And He begins working on cleansing us, not just from the guilt of sin, but He cleanses us from the sin itself. Most of you perhaps are familiar with 1 John 1.9. I call it the Christian's reset button. 1 John 1.9, what does it say? If we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now that's where we often stop, but the verse doesn't stop there. If we confess our sins, if we agree with God, if we said, yes, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm a sinner, this is wrong, this is evil in your sight, this is no place in my life, this is harmful, and we confess that sin, uh, God is faithful and just to forgive us that sin. And by the way, that word faithful is a very important word. If there was one sin that, that... Let me ask you this question. Suppose I was faithful to my wife 364 days out of the year. But one day out of the year, I would not be faithful to her. Let me ask you a question. Would I be a faithful husband? No. If there was one instance where I was unfaithful, I would no longer be a faithful husband. God says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. If there was one sin that I came and I confessed, Lord, and God would not forgive me, would He be faithful? No. No. And so God is faithful, and He does forgive, and when we confess our sins, He removes the guilt of sin. That's what the word forgive is talking about, to take away the guilt of sin. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then it goes on and says, and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does the word cleanse mean? To remove that which defiles. To take away that which is dirty. And so the Lord is not satisfied with just removing our guilt. He also wants to remove the sin that produced that guilt. Follow what I'm saying? Here's the problem. We got a lot of Christians, I think, in churches today. We want God to take away the guilt, but brother, we want to hold on to that sin. Huh? We like that little temporary pleasure the sin gets. We want to hold on to sin. We want, to, we want God to, well, I don't want to feel guilty for it, but I, I'd like to hold on to this. God says that's not the way it works. I'll take away the guilt, but I also, I'll cleanse you from that. I've used this illustration occasionally over the years. It's such an excellent illustration. That was the great thing about being evangelism. You could use the same illustration week after week. You're always in a different place. But when we were in Indianapolis, and I was youth pastor there, and um, one day I'll just tell them, I'll tell the Cliff Notes version of it, but um, I cut myself shaving that morning, which I don't know why I always do. I mean, just hack my face up. But... Um, I cut myself that morning, I had a white shirt on. I didn't know I cut myself and it was bleeding, so I ran the bus route, 
we had a pretty long bus route, got in there, taught teens, preached the devil out of them, run around, and I had to come up in the auditorium, and, I, and at the beginning of the service, we did announcements at the beginning, I would give teen announcements, then I'd slip out the side door, go down to the other building, and preach to the children's church. Well, between church and Sunday school and church, I went in my office, cleaned up, looked, and here's this huge blood spot. I didn't know it was there, nobody told me, knuckleheads. Um, if I ever come in with a huge blood spot, Charlie, tell me. I looked in the mirror, it's like, ah, I mean, it was huge. I can't go up on a platform like that. There's like 600 people there, you know, very, uh, very dignified church. Not like ours, but uh, very dignified. I'm kidding. Uh, and I thought, I can't go up on a platform. I'm, I'm trying, what am I going to do? I don't have time to run home, change my shirt. What am I going to do? I went through, the, found a, a, a little container of white out. <laughs> Praise the Lord for white out. Lottie, Lottie. I went up on a platform, it dried real quick, you know. I went up on a platform, nobody knew it. Nobody could see that blood spot. I went down, preached Children's Church, rode the bus home, got home, took that shirt, threw it in the washing machine. Now, that whiteout did great. It covered my sin, so to speak. But when we put it in the washing machine, that detergent got in there, didn't just cover that sin up, it cleansed it. It removed it from the shirt. That stain was not there anymore. And when the Bible says that the Lord gave Himself for the church uh, and says that, uh, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water, what He wants to do, what He's talking about, there's not just taking away the guilt of our sin, but He wants to get down and take the sin itself out of our lives. We're always very concerned about the punishment of sin. And the Lord is concerned about that. And thank God that salvation saves us from going to hell. Amen? But salvation does a whole lot more than that. Salvation not only saves us from going to hell, salvation saves us from sin itself. And the Lord wants to remove that out of our lives. The Lord is equally concerned not just with the punishment of sin, but with the pollution of sin. The Lord is... Here's a great thing. The Lord loves us dearly. God loves you. And God loves me. You say, well, good. If the Lord loves me, He'll give me whatever I want. He'll let me do whatever I want. Oh, no, no. A loving parent doesn't give their kids whatever they want. A loving parent just says, do whatever you want. A loving parent set boundaries and says, and God loves us. Hey, and God knows the damage sin does to our lives. God knows better than any of us how badly sin will hurt our hearts. What sin does to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives. And God says, I love the church. I love the believers. I love people. And sin defiles their hearts and corrupts their minds and destroys their lives. And I don't want sin to do that. I love them and I, I want to remove that from their lives. And I want to remove that sin from their experience. So it's, their hearts aren't defiled and their minds aren't corrupted and their lives are not destroyed. I want to, and that's God's love for us. And He gave Himself for us that he, so that He could remove the sin of our lives. By the way, you'll notice, look at the, carefully at the verse, you see that this is a continual action. That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. It has the idea of a continual thing. You know what happens when we get saved? 
God gives us a new nature. But you know what? We still got the same old sinful nature. And we still have to deal with sin. And God has to continually be washing us and washing us. Remember in John, the Lord had the disciples there before they initiated the Lord's Supper at that last Passover. And the Bible says Jesus took a cloth, girded himself, and washed the disciples' feet. Does anybody remember what Peter said? Peter said, don't you wash my feet. You're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord said, if I don't wash your feet, then you're not clean. He goes, oh, in that case, then wash all of me, not just my feet. And the Lord says, you don't need to be completely washed. It's that daily living, it's that daily sin that we have to deal with, not getting saved all over again. The Lord doesn't have to keep removing the guilt of sin. That's removed the moment we trust Christ. But God has to keep continually cleansing us as every day that sinful nature raises its ugly head. And we have to deal with words said and thoughts that are uh, taken and actions taken. And God has to continually be cleansing us, cleansing us, cleansing us. Because He wants a clean church. He wants a pure church, a holy church. And so he's constantly working in our lives. He's constantly working in our midst. The Lord washes his church. Oh, by the way, if you'll notice, who's the one doing the cleansing here? Look at verse 26. Who's doing the cleansing? Read it carefully. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Who is the one that removes the sin? Who is the one that deals with the sinner lives? It's the Lord Himself. Hey, there's not one of us here. I don't care how strong your willpower is. I don't care how disciplined you are. You cannot have victory over sin in your own power. It's the Lord does it. God is the one that cleanses us, brother. We can grit our teeth. We can determine that I'm not going to... This is going to be out of my life. We can determine all we want. It's not until we realize how weak we are that we see how strong He is. And Christ gives us victory. Christ does the cleansing. We simply yield ourselves. All we say is, yes, Lord, I give you permission. Clean my heart. God, clean my mind. God, cleanse my life. I yield to you. And He does it. So He gives Himself for the church that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, by the word. It's interesting, the way he cleanses this sin is with the word of God. Now, I'll tell you something interesting. I was studying, I was reading different commentaries and what different people said on that, and I was surprised at how many commentaries suggested that the washing of the water of the word had something to do with baptism. I thought, where in the world do you come up with baptism washing away sins? Especially when it says very clearly, by the washing of water, by the what? Word. It's the Word of God that cleanses us from sin. Take your Bibles with me, just real quickly if you would. Turn back to Psalms 119. This is a passage of Scripture that every Christian should be very, very familiar with. If it's not underlined in your Bible, it ought to be underlined. If it, if it is or it isn't, it ought to be in your heart. Psalms 119, look at verse number 9. Psalms 119, I, had you, I could have quoted this easily, but I want you to turn there. I want you to see it in your Bible. I want you to underscore or mark it in some way in your Bible. Psalms 119, look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man, what? Cleanse his way. All right, how do I get clean? How do I have this... 
uh, the Lord gave himself to cleanse me. How does this take place? By taking heed thereto according to thy what? The word of God. Come down to verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It is the Holy Spirit of God applying the Word of God to our lives that cleanses us from our sin. It's the power of the Word of God. I like what D.L. Moody said. A lot of people write this quote in the front of their Bibles. It's a good quote. I had it in some of my other Bibles. He said this, Either sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. That's the washing of the water by the Word. Christ cleanses the church. Christ cleanses the Christian from sin and that which defiles us as we submit ourselves to the Word of God. As the Holy Spirit of God applies to our hearts and lives the Word of God, He cleanses us. Now what is it about the Bible? What is it about God's Word that has such a cleansing effect on us? Because in the Bible, when we open the Bible, are you with me? When we open the Bible, we are looking into the face of God. When we open the Bible, we are opening the heart of God. The Bible does not begin with man. The Bible begins with God. Salvation does not begin with man. Salvation begins with God. For God so loved the world. That Bible... When we open the Word of God, we are opening the face, the heart, the character of God. And when we get to the point that we see God as He is in His holiness, in His righteousness, in His immensity, and we see God, is, is the term that comes to my mind is His blinding holiness, there's only one response to humble ourselves and say we're guilty. We're sinful men. Jesus, uh, Peter saw the power of Jesus Christ. We had him cast the nail on the other side. And Peter fell down and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He saw God in Jesus Christ. And it had a profound effect. It had a cleansing effect on Peter. Turn with me, if you would, one more time, one more passage of Scripture. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, it's page 718, if you have the old Schofield Bible. Would, would you turn there with me? What is it about the Word of God that has such a cleansing effect on us when we read it, it's preached, it's there, because it shows us God in His holiness, His power. And when we see God, we realize what we are. Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, look what he saw, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. A uh, train there is talking like, uh, uh, you know, a, a lady when she gets married, she has her train. It's talking about the, the glory of God just spraying out. I, his train filled the temple. Look at verse 2. Above it stood the seraphims, type of angel. One had six wings. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And the one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, I'm a wonderful 
specimen of humanity. Boy, I am filled with self-esteem. And I raise my head in pride. No, when you get a glimpse of the holiness, the power, the majesty of God, then said I, woe is me. For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And when Isaiah saw God, it had a cleansing effect on him. His filth, his sin, his guilt, his defilement became very obvious when put before a holy God. You know, we can think pretty highly of ourselves, can't we? I'm afraid most of us, if maybe not all of us, think more highly of ourselves than what we really are. We think we're better Christians than what we really are. You know what happens? We open that Bible and we see God for who and what He is. Suddenly we realize we're nothing even close to where we ought to be. We're guilty and undone. And that has a cleansing effect on us. And look what happens. Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm an unclean lips. I dwell in unclean, unclean people. Then flew one of the seraphs unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which had taken of the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this has touched thy lips. Look at this. Thine iniquity is what? Taken away and thy sin purged. You've been cleansed. You saw God and it humbled you and you acknowledged your sin and it had a cleansing effect on your life. The Bible says that Jesus gave Himself for the church that He may sanctify and cleanse it. How? With the washing of the water by the Word, the, the expression of God, the revelation of God. You know, and I pray for folks that I'm burdened for. And I have a number of folks I'm praying that are unsaved. I'm praying for them. I have folks as Christians that I'm real concerned for. You know what I pray so often? I pray, God, reveal yourself to them. God, let them see you for who you are. Like, the, like what you did in my life as a teenager. And I came face to face with a holy God. And I realized how ungodly I was. That's what the Bible does. Reveals God to us. When we look in God's Word, we're looking in the face of God and the heart of God and affects us. Ideally, as we progress in our Christian life, we ought to be coming more and more clean. As we grow as Christians... We should be coming less and less polluted with sin. From the time we get saved, ideally, and as I said this morning, we take steps forward and back. It's not a continuous flow, but ideally, as each day goes by, my heart, my life, my mind should be purer, should be cleaner. Now, we never arrive in this life, we never get to the point where we can say, I am clean, I'm undefiled, I'm pure. But it ought to be a progression. Christian, is your life cleaner, spiritually speaking, now than it has, was a year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen years ago? Is your heart and mind purer now? 
than it was years ago? Or are we as Christians allowing the world to defile us more, more, and more? We need submissive exposure to God's Word. Now let me get real practical. We need to read our Bibles every day. You cannot be a clean, pure Christian and not read your Bible on a regular basis. I'm just being very frank with you. We need to read our Bibles every day. Let me say this. We need to be faithful to be in the house of God under the preaching of the Word of God on a regular basis. I've never known a Christian be strong, pure, holy, and godly that was negligent of the house of God. You say, well, you must think you're some kind of preacher. I don't think I'm any kind of preacher, but I do believe there's a great book being preached from this pulpit and others like it. Powerful book. A cleansing book. So we need to expose ourselves on a daily basis, reading our Bibles every day, uh, faithful to church, under the Word of God. Chances, uh, Man, I'll tell you, when I first got saved, if there was a preacher preaching anywhere within two hours, brother, we were there. Yeah, I, I wanted to hear the Word of God. I wanted to grow. You know, sometimes we get used to it. It gets old. Suddenly it doesn't have that, that desire going. So, am I reading my Bible or am I faithful to church? Now let me talk to husbands, because this all comes back to verse number 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. In the same way, so ought men. I asked a question at the end of the message that I asked towards the beginning. Husbands, we need to ask ourselves, is my wife more like Christ because I'm her husband? Is my influence on my wife as her husband helping, nurturing in her a holier, purer, more godly walk? Is that the influence I have on my wife as a husband? Or is my attitude, is my indulgences, my actions, my tolerance, does that allow things in my wife's life that hurts her, defiles her, hinders her godliness. That's the way we're supposed to love our wives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that we could be a sanctified and 